So turn in your Bibles back to um, the first epistle of John, First John. If you're not, if and and I and what, some of the feedback I got from last week was my comment about open up your Bibles, put your phone down. I got <laughs> that. Most people remember that part of the message, and it, it wasn't even part of the message. That was that was just a little exhortation. But open up your Bibles if you're not familiar with. Um, with um, the Bible. You can always go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and flip back through Jude, and then you'll get right to the first, second, and third epistle of John. That's kind of the shortcut. That's how I get there. So turn um, to um, 1 John. And, and, the passage, and the passage that we have, the, the verses that we have, which are verses 11, uh, 7 through 11, can be a, a little bit confusing because John talks about uh, um, not an old commandment, but it is a new commandment. But you, but you know, when you kind of take the passage and you set it in its context, it starts to make a whole lot of sense. And that's why um, in this church, we go through books of the Bible. We preach through a book so that you have the context as we move through each book of the Bible. So we don't have that privilege because we're not doing a series on um, 1 John. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give just a little bit of review. We're going to read the passage first. I'll give a little bit of review, and then we'll get into those verses. So turn to 1 John. Hopefully you're there. Chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 because we're going to build context. And besides, it's the Word of God that we're here to hear, right? And so you can't read enough of God's Word, and that's, where we're, that's what we're going to do. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the truth as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours, only, but also the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And now our passage for today, beloved, 
I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the privilege and the opportunity to come together and worship you, both in song and in the study of your word and the taking of communion together. So as we come and as we approach your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work um, through me and the words that I speak. May, they, may the words that I speak be your words, only truth. And, and as we listen to your word, as we see your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our heart and in our mind so we might apply that word in our lives for your glory so that others might see that you are King of kings and the Lord of lords. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we read this, we see in 1 John that he gives his purpose here in, four, in, in verse 4 of chapter 1. He says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. You know, John's writing both to encourage, to exhort, and to warn those that he most likely discipled. You know, he affectionately, call, affectionately calls them my little children. You know, that's the same affectionate phrase that Christ used when talking to his um, disciples. John desires to see these believers experience the joy, the real joy, that comes from walking in truth. And apparently there were some false teachers um, that were creating some problems uh, for these uh, believers because we see um, just later in chapter 2 and verse 26, he says, these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So again, he's writing for encouragement, exhortation, and warning. We see this really throughout all of the epistles. And so John begins this epistle by taking his, his readers back to the beginning, reminding them that the message that he proclaimed comes with the full authority of Jesus Christ, and that message remains unchanged. John says, that which we have seen, this is verse 3 in chapter 1, that which we have seen and heard, we will proclaim also to you. And in verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him, that is Christ, and proclaim to you. And what was John's purpose? And proclaiming this message. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard we will proclaim to you also so that, there's the purpose, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is the key focus, focal point of what John is communicating this, this epistle. It's both the fellowship we have with God, which leads to a fellowship that we can have with one another. John's message is unchanged, and it, he says it's that which was from the beginning. Keep this in mind, because as we come back to our text, you're going to 
see that again, and throughout First John, you're going to see him constantly referring that which was in the beginning. Then in verses 5 through 10, John says, this is the message, that God is light. He is the source of all truth. And John says there is a clear distinction between those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness. So for our young people who have the, the um, kind of the little handout that we have, that's one, of the, that's one there. John is, John's message is that God is light. And he's saying there's a clear distinction between those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. There's no gray area. Now, several months ago, we looked at this passage, maybe it was a year ago when I was teaching in the first um, chapter of 1 John. We defined light as anything that's consistent with the nature, the character, and the being of God. We, just, we define that light as absolute truth. There is absolute truth with a big T. You live in a world that talks about little truth. Everybody has their own truth with a little T. We live in a world that has absolute truth, and that truth comes from God. Anything that's consistent with the nature, the character, and the being of God. And Jesus Christ himself is the complete and perfect manifestation of that truth in the flesh. God in the flesh. Jesus is the true light. If you go back to the gospel of John, back to the first chapter, um, John says this in his gospel, there was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the believer, truth should really define our love for God. A truth that's expressed, this goes back to last Sunday's message, a truth that's expressed in our love for one another. Therefore, we walk in the light, and to walk in the light is to walk in the way that reflects the nature, the character, and the being of God. This is the purpose for which we were created. We were created in an image of God to reflect his character, to reflect who he is in the world around us. And where Adam failed to reflect God's character because of sin, Jesus Christ accomplished it by living a sinless life life. By contrast, we define darkness as the opposite of light. Anything that is inconsistent or anything that is not consistent with the nature, the character, and the being of God. To live in sin is to live in darkness. And so, John continues to reiterate the clear distinction between those who walk in the light those who walk consistently, reflecting the nature, the character, and being of God, and those who walk in darkness, those who do not reflect that. John tells us, again, in um, 
verse 7, he says this. John tells us, those who walk in the light enjoy two things. Walking in light, we enjoy two things. Fellowship with God, that's, and that's ongoing. It's the present tense, the verb. That says continuous, ongoing fellowship with God, and a continuous and ongoing cleansing of sin. As we walk in the light of God's word, we should expect that that light is going to shine in a way that exposes sin in our lives. That's what light does. And confession, it really is something that's a part of that continuous walking in the light. I reminded you last week, the conversation, I love this, the conversation that Christ has with Peter when Christ goes to wash his disciples' feet. And Christ comes to Peter, and Peter says, no, not you, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, if, if I wash your feet, I don't have anything to do with you. And he says, oh, great, wash my hands, my head, let's just, you just wash my whole body. And Jesus says, you've already had a bath, you just need to have your feet cleansed. You just need to have your feet clean. So confession is a product of fellowship. That comes out of fellowship. Because God is light, and to walk in fellowship with the light is to see sin for what it is, and to agree with God that a thought or an action that we have is inconsistent with his character. It's inconsistent with the nature, the character, and being of God. And so we, we see this passage in the first chapter of 1 John that we all memorize as kids. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we lower that into context, we see that that's, it's an if and when. It's a win. It's as we're walking in the light. We confess. It's, this is an ongoing thing, this confession of sin. We confess our sins. And he, that is God, is faithful and just. It's based on his character to forgive us our sins. And John switches the tense from the present tense to the aorist tense. And the aorist tense, as I understand, as they look back to a moment in time, on the cross, when all of our sins were forgiven, past, present, and future, and to cleanse, and there the bath again, the cleanses in their sense, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we live a life forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. We just need a foot washing as we walk in the light of God's word. If we say that we have not sinned, John says, we make him, that is, we make God a liar. And his word is not in us. Those are some pretty strong words. John clearly draws a bright line between those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness. Where there's no confession of sin, there's no walking in, there is a walking in darkness because God's word is not alive in the heart of that professor. It's, and I gave you a quote last week, again, from Arthur, Pink, from Arthur Pink. He said, it's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes a child of God from an empty professor. And then in chapter 2, as we're now moving into chapter 2, we're approaching our text. In chapter 2, we see that there's the testimony of the true believer. It's not that they live a sinless life, but they live a forgiven life. You know, John says the, the goal of our walk is to live without sin. That's the goal. He wasn't given an excuse for sin. He was given them the goal. The goal is to live without sin. But, but, but we do sin. And he said we have an advocate. And that advocate is Jesus Christ. And as our advocate, Jesus Christ proclaims the magnificence of his atoning work on the cross. 
For he alone is qualified as the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he completely satisfies propitiation. He completely satisfies the justice of God. He is our advocate. And we're part of a grand narrative that's much bigger than ourselves. It's a narrative about a redemptive story, right? That's what the whole Bible is about. It's about this redemptive story that all of creation gets to witness and gets to see. One that magnifies the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Christ-centered. It's not self-centered. And then last week, we're looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. John says this, Given that there's a clear distinction between those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness, John tells us this. He says, You can distinguish between the professors of fellowship, those who say they have fellowship, from the, professor, from the possessors of fellowship. You get that? There's a difference, a clear difference between the professors, those who profess to have fellowship, and those who truly possess that fellowship. And you can tell by their walk. And he, gave kind, of, he kind of repeated it in three ways. He said, if we keep his commandments. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I do not know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, he says it again, if we keep God's word, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. Again, we can know. Whoever says he abides in him, that is in Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. So John says we can't know where we are in the distinction between the, for just the professors of faith and those who are the possessors of faith. And that is how we walk. So we keep his commandments. Those who walk in the light keep his commandments. They keep his word. They walk in the same manner in which he walked. And our primary, and, our, and, and the main point, okay, the main point from last week was that a joyful obedience to the commands of God is an expression of the fellowship we have with Christ. So, I, you know, I said sometimes, a lot of times, I'll ask him, hey, what was the main? I didn't ask her. <laughs> but when I was preparing this message, she goes, hey, what's the main point? So she turned it around on me and was asking me. But last week we said a joyful obedience to the commands of God is an expression of the fellowship that we have with Christ. The commands of Christ are not rules imposed upon us, but are a means of expression, an expression of the fellowship that we have with God. Obedience does not lead to fellowship because obedience is because our fellowship with God is not performance based. It's not what we do. Our fel- it's our fellowship with God that leads to obedience. And so we said again, a joyful obedience to the commands of God give public display to the character of God and the very purpose for which we were created. And now our text this morning, we come to our text and John continuing this thought, continuing the walk to talk about our fellowship with God and our walking in the light. 
and the distinction between those who walk in the light and those who do not walk in the light, and how we can know, and we can know by keeping his commandments. He says in verse 7, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John gives a simple one commandment test that gives public evidence of who we are in Christ. It's not a new commandment, John says. It's an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. Again, John says, what was from the beginning, in the, the, he opens up this very epistle, what was from the beginning, what you have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, was from the beginning. In chapter 2, where we are, just look a little forward to verse 23. Look a little forward to 23. John says this in chapter 2 and 23 and 24. He said, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If you have heard from, um, if what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the commandments of Christ remain unchanged. What was from the beginning, John says, what we have heard from the beginning. Then John says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. To you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What does John mean now when he switches and says, Oh, it's a new commandment? Well, if we look at the Gospel of John and what Jesus says in chapter 13. This is what Jesus said. He says, my little children, I'm writing to you, or I'm with you a, a while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also said, say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment. This is Jesus' words. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. John is simply stating an unchanged message which was from the beginning. It is the new commandment that Christ gave to his disciples. And now as he writes to these believers in this epistle, he's saying, nothing's changed. It's not a new commandment. But it is the new commandment that Christ has given 
to us. John says it's true in you. Jesus said, Jesus said, or John says it's true in him that is in Christ. Jesus said, even as I have loved you. And, and John says, and it's true in you. Jesus said, you also love one another. If we walk in the light as he, Christ Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you see that? Do you see how it's the same new command, the same unchanged new commandment that Christ gave to his disciples to love one another? Because he's, and John says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. You know, darkness must flee light. Darkness cannot overpower light. You don't add more darkness to get rid of the light. It does not work. When light is cast into a room, the darkness must give way to light. You know, we have our, we have our, last night we had our family over, okay? There's 23 people. We're, we're, and not to worry, we're, we're, we're all, we're all immune. We've, we've all had it. We're, we're, we can get together. And the kids, one of their favorite, as the sun goes down and it gets dark, one of their favorite games is to get the flashlights. And we have a pack of flashlights. And they get those and they go out and they play in the dark. And the one thing about light, everybody needs a flashlight, is the darkness has to flee the light. And they have a great time. And I'm always reminded when I see them playing with the flashlights about how, how light overpowers darkness. You know, we also have in our houses, the sun is setting. So right now, what is that about? I think somewhere around five o'clock, a little after five, the sun is setting. It's, it's our, um, our, we have a palladium window, kind of like these windows here. They're in the back in our eating area. And the sun comes down and it comes down lower than the tops of the pines, but kind of right there between where the ground is and where the tops of the pines are. And so light shines in the window there. And every time we're in the kitchen, Kim goes, it's a mess in here. You can see all the fingerprints on the window, all the little fingerprints on the window in our house. You can see every dust, every hair follicle that has fallen in the kitchen. And she's like, I just cleaned this an hour ago. What's changed? What's changed? The light. The angle of the light at 5 o'clock, and that will change as the days get longer. But I, it keeps happening in our house. That light shines, and it's just best not to be in the house at that, at that place in the house at that time. Because it just shows all the dirt and all the fingerprints. So what do we do? Burn down the house and rebuild? No. We clean. We clean. It just, we just need a little foot washing there, right? So John says, as Christ said to Peter, you don't need a new bath. You just need a cleansing. Um, we're in the first epistle of John. Turn over um, Turn over. Um, to second, you won't have to turn very far. It's not a long epistle. Turn to second John. And in verses, well, we'll start with, with um, verse one. But the primary, primary text that I want you to see is in, in um, verse five. Um, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace mercy and peace 
will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now, I, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. Man, that just pulls the whole thing together, doesn't it? He repeats himself in this short little one-page epistle and pulls all of the first epistle kind of together in what he says there. The commandment that we have heard from the beginning is that we love one another. And who is the one another? Who is the one another? We are the one another, fellow believers in Christ, those who walk in the light. What we have seen and heard, John says in verse 3 of, of chapter 1, what we've seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you may have fellowship with us. We are the one another. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Obedience to this command to love one another can only be done in the context of the church. Now, I need to repeat that. Obedience to the command to love one another can only be done in the context of one another's, of the church. It's not something I do by myself. It's something I do, and you do, as one another, as the body of Christ. And you cannot love people you're not around. You can't do it. Now, we, now we, participate, we participate in ministries around the world, right? And churches are planted, and that takes place in those local, local churches. But it's the one another, it's, those lo, it's, it's the whole reason churches are planted, is so that one another can take place in those churches. And if you think you can, and I know this is COVID, and many of us have reason, many of us on live stream have reason where we need to be distanced from others. I get that. But COVID aside, you just, you just can't love one another sitting and watching a preacher preach on Sunday morning on TV. It can't be done. You can hear God's word, but you cannot love one another just sitting at home. It can't be done. Loving one another has to be done in the context of the local body. You just can't, you, you can't love one another, too, if you've decided to kind of live as an island unto yourself. Remember last week we talked about both the, um, we talked about both the legalist and the antinomianist or the anti-law? They can't do it. If you, if you think you could live the Christian life without fellowship within the body, then you're greatly mistaken. Christianity is not a club where you pay your dues. Maybe you come and you just pay, pay your due that one morning, you come and go to church, and then there's no participation, there's no fellowship throughout the week. There's no involvement of the family of families that are gathered here this morning and that are with us on live stream. God did not save you for your own benefit. That's 
For some people, that's a radical thought. He did not save you for your own good. In fact, look at verse 12 in chapter 2 here. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. For whose sake? For his sake, for Christ's sake. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ is Christ-centered. It's not self-centered. It's not just about you. You are a part of that for his glory. And by this, and by this, that is our love for one another, Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples. Our faith is a public testimony of the life change that comes to those who are in Christ. This cannot be done, again, outside of the fellowship with one another. You know, we all, we all, we all come with many different backgrounds, and we bring baggage. You know, Kim and I have raised four kids, all married. The one thing we've always said to them before they go into a marriage is each person is carrying baggage into that marriage, and you're going to spend a lifetime unpacking it. Did we have that conversation, Brandon? We did. And Brian, we did. It's the same in the family of families. We bring baggage. We're broken people. But we unpack that together as we love one another. The one thing we have in common is who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us to his glory. And we have an advocate, John tells us, in the person of Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the sinless Son of God, and he is the complete, the propitiation, but the complete satisfaction for our sins. John gives us a simple binary test. He says either you love your brother or you hate your brother. He doesn't give any middle ground. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother in the darkness is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Last week we concluded that joyful obedience to the commands of God are an expression of our fellowship with God. This week, main thought, main idea. Kids, you might have to go back up to the top of that page because I didn't give it to you at the beginning. But the main thought is that the, two, the new commandment that Christ gave to his disciples to love one another remains unchanged to this day. We are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And in doing so, we walk in the light as he is in the light. In doing so, we are keeping his commandments. In doing so, as we love one another, we are keeping his word. In doing so, as, 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 we, as, as we love one another, we're walking in the same way in which he, that is Christ Jesus, walked. And in doing so, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John says, the one who loves his brother abides in, abides in the light. 
and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So how do we love one another? How do we do that? Well, on the back of, for, the, for those who have the um, little handouts, on the back of the handout, I'm gonna, I've got just a couple of one another passages I want to go through with, just, just to help us to know how we are to love one another. This, I'll, I'll go through several, all, all references in the New Testament. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love with brotherly affection. Be devoted, devoted, dedicated, faithful, steadfast. Boy, I, now I hate naming people because I'm going to leave somebody out. And I won't do that as I go through this, but i got to pause just a minute. As Levi said, you know, we need to remind us to pray for um, Jim Cunningham. Of course, pray for Jan as you're praying for Jim. Um, and I, but I think, of, I think of Jim and Jan Cunningham as devoted. I think of Clarence, uh, um, Clarence and Joanne Veneto, like I think of devoted. I'm, I'm looking at some people who have been through the thick and the thin of the one another's, and they remain steadfast, committed to one another. Romans 12, 6, live in harmony to one another. Now, if you're a musician, you might have a better understanding of what that means. I am not a musician. So I wrote it down, and I hope this makes sense. I can see a couple of musicians that are going to know. But harmony is the combination of simultaneously sounding musical notes. These are different notes, but it's the combination of simultaneously together sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions that have a pleasing effect. Pleasing effect. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Every person in here that is a follower of Jesus Christ has been chosen by God to be a part of his family. Now, if that's not valuable, I don't know what is. We should accept one another. Galatians 5, 13, through love, serve one another putting others' needs in our service before ourselves. Galatians 5.26, don't challenge or envy one another. Don't do it. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. You know, we hurt at different times. Maybe it's a physical hurt. Maybe it's emotional, spiritual. We hurt at different times. We're to bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.2, gently, patiently, with humility, Bear with one another. Be patient. You're patient with me. I am to be patient with you. As God works in my life and matures me, and as he matures you in the fellowship that we have together. Ephesians 5, uh, 4, 25. Speak truth to one another. Now, sometimes speaking truth can hurt. It can but it should always be spoken in love and with grace. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. Well, that means we're going to sin against each other. We're going to have to forgive each other. We're just going to simply have to forgive each other as Christ 
has forgiven us. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another. And that, in the context, is within God's established order. There aren't God-given lines of authority. We're to submit to those. Philippians 2.3, with humility, regard one another as more important than yourself. Colossians 3.9, don't lie to one another. Colossians 3.13, bear with and forgive one another. Colossians 3.16, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you know our music team prepares the music as they, they practice me, but they also prepare the music that's going to be sung. And they have a lot of options. And there's some songs that are really good and fun to sing. But if they're not theologically or doctrinally rich, and so we don't sing them. And I'm thankful for those, for our team that does that and works to make sure that the, the songs and hymns and spiritual songs that we sing have solid doctrine in them so that we can teach and admonish one another in those songs. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build one another up. Be a Barnabas. Be a Barnabas. First Thessalonians 5.15, seek good for one another and do not repay evil for evil. Hebrew, Hebrews 10.24, stir one another up to love and good deeds. James 4.11, James 5.9, don't complain or grumble against one another. Just don't do it. And I don't mean when the other people are standing there. I mean when the people we're grumbling about aren't there. Don't grumble at all. James 5.16, confess sins to one another and pray for one another. Now, this has been a theme of mine in this first chapter of John is how, because we're, we're trying to practice this more in our, in, in our home. How often, if, if I had a chalkboard that week, did I say to my wife, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you without, without a but following it. But you, you know, just plain old, I was wrong, I sinned. I violated the nature and character and the being of God by the way I responded to you. How often do we do that with one another? And not only in our homes, but here in our body. How often do we confess our sins to one another as we sin and that, in a way that impacts others? 1 Peter 1.22, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another. Be hospitable to one another. And we have examples of that in our family, um, great examples in our family of those who are hospitable. 1 Peter 4.10, I'm down to just two more. Hang in there with me. Use your spiritual gifts to serve one another. You have a spiritual gift. This body suffers when you don't participate using your gift for the benefit of the one another here in this body. In 1 Peter 5, 5, and this is maybe a good one to end with, clothe yourself in humility towards one another. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? A new commandment I give to you, this is the words of Jesus to his disciples, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Why? Because by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
That is why we've been created, to display the glory of Jesus Christ as we love one another as he has loved us. Let's pray. Well, Father, it seems like such a simple concept to love one another. But apart from Jesus Christ, it's impossible. And we thank you, Father, that because of him, because of the relationship, that restored relationship that we have, because of Christ's death and resurrection, that fellowship that we have with you, that we can have fellowship with one another and we can love one another as Christ has commanded us to do. Remind us that that commandment has not changed from when he first uttered it. And let that be a description of Community Bible Church as we love one another. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.